I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of In My Spikes podcast. Today I'll be speaking to Chris Miles and Jimmy Mullins. These guys have been helping me with the strength component of our program. And we met back all the way in 2019, just after the Adabayev World Championships in Doha. Uh, I would be discussing with them um, the strength program that we run, um, the idea of excellence and how that becomes pretty lonely, the effect of high-intensity training, as well as um, how important is effective communication in a coach and athlete relationship. Uh, and just more having a general conversation and catching up. I haven't actually caught up with these guys um, face-to-face or over the phone since... I left Melbourne, so I'm looking forward to this conversation and hope you enjoy it. So, Jimmy Mullins, how you doing, man? I'm good, mate. How are you? <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> and yourself, Chris? I'm good, mate. How you doing? Yeah, not bad at all. So today, I just wanted to speak to you guys about um, basically... Since we met, I mean, if we take it back to 2019, Joe and myself, I think we rocked up to Empower. Um, I think I was hobbling. I, was, I had um, a groin injury. Joe must have had a quad injury. Yeah, yeah, he's and quad, expressed he's quad, quad, yeah. And we expressed our interest to train with you guys. Um, we go fir- you go first, Chris. Like, what were yeah. you guys thinking? I mean, I think the first sort of idea we had, I think Jimmy come to me one day and he goes, Chris, I got a proposition for you. And I'm like, all right, what's, what's going on? He goes, we've got the interest of that two 800-meter runners. And I'm like, okay, sweet. He goes, but they're, they're trying to get to the Olympics. And I'm like, okay. So what's the game? He goes, well, obviously want to train them, but I want you to help me. I'm like, sign me up like straight away. Like, no doubt about it. I think, um, I think Jimmy and I probably would have reacted the same way in the sense that taking it up on our own would have been very daunting. Um, I think two high-level athletes like yourselves, we didn't know anything about you guys, you and um, you and Joseph, but I think, yeah, we, we felt like we knew our stuff, but having the responsibility of taking two world athlete, uh, world-class athletes on by ourselves would have been a big task. So um, to this day, I'm still grateful to Jimmy for bringing it up to me and letting me come on board. So I'll let you take it away, Jimmy. Yeah, um, no, nah, it was funny. It was funny how it happened because <laughs> I was like training um, mainly basketball players, but Tat, Tat was in there and Tat's mates with Joe. And then Joe rocked up. I think you were overseas or something, Pete. And Joe rocked up with um, one of his mates and they were just sussing out the gym and he's just, you know, as he is, he's just laughing and stuff. And he's just like, man, this place looks sick. And then Jacko, <laughs> Jacko was like, why don't you train with him? He's the speed king. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. I was already elite 800 meters. And then, like, literally, like, a week or two later, Joe's like, I think he messaged Jacko and said, yeah, I want to train. And Jacko's like, hey, Joe messaged, he wants to train um, with Pete. And I'm like, all right. Um, 
deal sus Pete out. I'm like, far out, man. Like, he's the next level. I, I don't want to interfere with their training, what they're already doing um, at the VIS because I thought you guys were still at the VIS. And then we found out that you weren't there. And as soon as I found out that you you weren't you weren't really there anymore, I was like, all right, I need. I'm probably gonna get some help doing this as well. And then I go I go up to Chris, and as Chris just said before, like he was pretty much straight on. I'm like, yeah, you know, we got these two high level runners, but they're Olympians, man. Like, do you want to do it? And straight away. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, we we just like all right, and then and then um we got you boys in for that little interview. Like I think Pete, you were trying to suss us out a little bit, and then <laughs> <laughs> I had no because I had no idea where I was. You yeah, know? yeah. Joe didn't really tell me where we're going. He said, "Um, there's this gym." So and I was driving, so we're driving to Impala. Oh uh, yeah. And and then I see you guys, and then you guys have your laptop look professional, and but I like the vibe and. Yeah. I wasn't trying to suss you guys out, you know. <laughs> I don't have much experience in the gym myself, but when I came in, I was just like, "Yeah, this is." Especially after the, after having that little meeting and sitting down, um, man, I was, I was ready to go. You know, there was trust straight away because you guys seem just so passionate about what you're doing. So I figured, I figured you guys would learn as you go, and we would learn as we go. So, and the main thing that you guys wanted to, so I was just like, "Yeah, sign me up." So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think um, just just on that point as well, I think as I alluded to before, like Jimmy and I have both obviously done our studies and whatnot, but to get the chance to actually train high-level athletes like yourself and Joe, I think it's the chances are few and far between. So, yeah, you'll get your um, local-level athletes or your semi-pros, but to have someone that is on the world stage and literally one and two in Australia um, – the chances of that happening are very slim, whether you're in a professional sporting club or at the VIS or out on your own. I think, yeah, like I said, it's it's a very rare opportunity. So taking it on was a no-brainer. Um, and like I said, I think we had the knowledge of theoretically what to do, but applying it and making sure everything was enjoyable, like we had fun doing it as well. I think that was a huge thing for us as well. That was huge. That yeah. was That was the main thing, like, I mean, especially our Instagram stories, it looked like we're just having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as soon as the, <laughs> as soon as the phones went down, we were lifting. Like, we were just having so much fun. I remember yeah. um, I just, like, I enjoyed coming to the gym, like, for the first time. And, I mean, we only had it twice a week. And it was, I used to miss the gym quite a bit. And so did Joe, obviously. And you guys just made it fun. It was, it was a culture that you guys established. Yeah. And, and the communication was awesome, too. Like, I think we built trust pretty fast. There was respect and you guys had the instructions there. And speaking about that, how important is it the relation, um, to establish that early relationship, you know, effective communication um, with the athlete and coach? Because I feel like that was super important. Yeah, it's massive, man. Um, I actually think that's like a, a major deal breaker with coaches and where a lot of coaches go wrong. Um, I see it all the time. They just, they, you can't see this type of job as a job um it's not just like all right you're in for the for the hour um and or whatever whatever the time may be and then once you're in that that um in that block a lot of coaches they're just sort of like in in with the next one you know what i mean and they're not not creating a a friend uh, a friendship or like a good rapport with any athlete coming in um and almost they act like they don't care so i think for coaches um in order to do well 
one of the major things like is just creating a, a good um, a friendship with, with the athletes coming in. You know, it's not just you're just a coach. You, you want to be like a good friend with them as well. Yeah, and then also, um, Chris, I think you established trust pretty early. I don't think I've ever looked at a workout and, and like doubted or anything. And it wasn't because I didn't know much. It just, I don't know how you guys did it, but it just felt like, you know, you got your instructions on point and you explained every workout, like to the point that, you know, this is the purpose for it. And what I liked about you, Chris, was you drilled this power of intent into us every single time. Like you got to do it with intent, do it with intent to the point that I think we're doing everything with intent. Like I'm, I'm just going for a walk, you know, it's like walk with intent. <laughs> yeah, <I'll, I'll, laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty cool that kind of transferred over to other things in life. Yeah, I think the idea of intent, I think that comes from like I was no high level athlete myself. I, I swam as a kid um, and I, I did okay, but I was never going to make it professional high level or whatnot but um i think at the time especially if you love the sport and you want to do well in it um and have a good coach i think what i got drilled um into me at a a young age was train the way you want to play or train the way you want to compete Uh, and especially with something like swimming which is probably similar to your running it's an individual sport yeah you have your team around you and your support but at the end of the day, it's you and the track or you and the black line. And if you're not training with intent, then you're just wasting your time. Um, and especially in something like the 800 where I think we've, we've worked out pretty well, um, 0.1 of a second can make a massive difference, um, whether that's off the blocks or whether you're pulling up early at the line, like those little things matter. So if you're drilling that in training, I think it just becomes second nature and then you're nine times out of 10 um, going to drill it in your in your sport as well. So, yeah. And um, also there was in 2019 when I came back, I think I came back from World Champs with a groin injury and and there was this, my manager speaks about this pop you're missing, you know, like, you know, I wasn't springy. And I think he watched me do a stride and he said, you look like you could only run about 48 seconds, um, which is just pretty terrible, especially if these guys are going out. You know, some of the heats or semifinals are going out in like 49. I think one of them was in like 48. Like you're kind of done there. And um, Jimmy, you, what's your vertical? Oh, that's not as high as what it was. But um. <laughs> yeah, like the max I got tested for was forty three inches, so it was pretty decent. Like that's that's pretty. <laughs> pretty. I'm six foot, and you can clear me, clear me with ease. <laughs> pretty decent, so. and um, that's the first thing we did, and I like that because the first thing we did, I think, was a testing of, like, I think how high we could jump in the power we could, you know, and we never tested again. But you know, there was I could already feel, you know, like six months later. I'm like, man, I can dunk again, you know, because I was missing that. And for me to perform well, I needed that power. I needed that spring. And um, what was the first thing that we had to do to get that back, Jimmy? Oh, he, um, it was like your um, low-level plyometric work, I think it was, because um, just creating that stiffness through the foot and obviously we couldn't yeah. do anything that was um, t- too in, too intense because um, you were we're battling with injury and we're trying to sort of create a program that would work well for you and for Joe as well. And um, we, we kind of noticed that in both you guys. So just that sort of 
lower level plyometric work, even though um, you do quite a bit of it on the track, there was a few exercises that we noticed that um, you were lacking that stiffness. So would, even though it wasn't a super intense exercise, it was challenging for you guys. So we sort of attacked that and, um, yeah, made sure that you were strong through that um, foot, ankle and calf. And then, um, yeah, we saw major improvements from there. And I think that's what um, Jimmy and I did relatively well. Like we sat down for a few times a week before you guys even came in um, and chatted to us. And then when we knew uh, the extent of your injuries, yours and Joseph's, um, what they were and how bad they were in your history, I think we sat down and said the first thing we want to do is get these guys strong, um, address their injuries, make sure that we're moving them through ranges that are relevant to their sport but also getting them strong and robust overall. Um, And then once we address the strength issues that may have attributed to your injuries and then um, introduced you to that light plier work, I think Jimmy and I pretty much on the same day just said, yep, they're ready to go next week. Um, rejig the program up a little bit and let's send it a little bit. So, uh, yeah, and I think the communication between Jimmy and I and setting all that up was vital as well. Yeah. Was there any communication? Well, I actually don't know this. Was there any communication with Justin too? Yeah, we called. We actually called Justin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we called Justin um, uh, sort of before you guys come in and we asked him um, what, what he thinks as well. Because yeah. the whole the whole thing was was new to us all, so we didn't know Justin, um, and we just met you boys, um, and we actually uh, spoke to another person as well, your your previous physio, and um, we just wanted to to sort of get information from everybody, and um, yeah, and and sort of come up with a picture in our head. All right, like where do we think um, we we can sort of fit into this program, and and sort of work create something that's going to work well um and complement everything else that you're doing because we knew that you were running quite a bit so that's what we're trying to get from justin um sort of how much volume in that and yeah like i said uh what he thinks that you that you need and justin was really good man like he's just like you know you guys are because sometimes coaches they want to sort of tell you what to do even though you know what you're doing they, they almost think that they know it all and justin's not like that justin's really humble and um, he basically told us, look, I think they might need this, but you guys are the coaches. Um, you know, I've got full trust in you guys to um, to come up with something that's going to help them out. And, you know, and he just basically told us that you guys skipped the gym a bit and we, and we want like, to and, and just to like sort of, you know, tell you guys how important it is for, for you to do that sort of stuff. So, um yeah, and every now and then we would give him a buzz, um, give him a call and just sort of see how you guys were doing and how you're performing in training. But then um, we'd also get that feedback from you. So once we saw everything was working, um, we didn't really feel the need to, to keep calling all the time or anything like that. I think we only made a few phone calls. Um, yeah. Yeah, on, um, <laughs> on skipping the gym a bit, I think that's that's actually credit to you guys because – uh, I don't actually remember missing the gym too much with you guys. Uh, mainly when I was in Perth or sometimes like that, but I'd flick you guys a message for workouts and stuff like that. So that's I think that's credit to you guys and the culture you kind of built. Like when we walked into Empower, it was just it was just this culture that we've never had before and just felt fun to get there. So like establishing that culture was 
was key and part of establishing that culture i think was um laying out expectations i don't think we set ourselves really high goals i think when we came in we just said we wanted to go to olympics which well, is again i think i recall this pretty well mm. i think you mentioned saying i want to get to the olympics this is the time I'm, i want to run and i can't, re- yeah. can't remember whether it was uh jimmy or i but you said i want to run a 144 or something like that and we're like yeah. why not 143 yeah like i suppose not that we're runners or super knowledgeable mm. on that sport ourselves but I suppose we can have an idea of what certain expectations can be. And yeah. we're like, why put that ceiling on it? Why not take that extra second off? And I think you mm. proved you got pretty close despite yeah. all the all the uh, chaos going on in the world with uh, lockdowns and the virus and everything. So you, you got pretty close to that. And I think had everything run as smoothly as we hoped, as it probably would any other year, I mean, who's to say yeah. you wouldn't have got there? So, yeah. um, And what was... What was your goals? You guys have, we had our own separate goals, obviously. What was your goals? At the time? Because um, mm. it's so new. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, well, we, we, we just wanted to make sure that you guys get to where you want to be, um, yeah. you know, and actually be, be competing in the Olympics. Um, injury free was, was massive for us. <laughs> Um, yeah. sounds, you know, the first thought that went through my head is like, shit, I hope, <laughs> I hope we don't injure, injure these guys. Like, I just want them to be healthy. You know, uh, if we can get them a bit stronger and get them a bit more relaxed, yeah. I'm happy. So, but the first thought guys, was like, keep them healthy, keep them healthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you guys, um, I mean, it's not, like, you know, you can do all this crazy stuff in the gym, um, but it doesn't mean anything if you guys aren't on the track. So, as, as yeah. Chris mentioned earlier, um, addressing those weaknesses and those injuries was was massive for us and making sure that you guys felt um well enough and robust enough to be able to compete whenever um and and the feedback from you guys um saying you know our bodies feel really good uh that that motivated uh, motivated us a lot as well um but yeah for me the major goal was just getting you guys there and um you know running the best time possible that yeah that was massive and how do you deal? Like, okay, we had us. We got, Joe and I went perfect, obviously, but we we knew what we wanted to do. We came in. We had our own goals. We knew on where we wanted to go. How do you deal with athletes that you have to kind of motivate um, to do things? Um, yeah, that that happens quite a lot. Trying to motivate some athletes because you know you you get a wide a wide range of athletes coming in. I mainly train basketball players and there's some basketball players that are really motivated to start with and, um, you know, sometimes they come in and they're real flat and they think that they're, you know, their future's done and you just have to um, let them know most of the time that, especially if they're younger, because I mainly train younger people, even in their 20s, I just got to let them know that um, they still have time on their side um, and not yeah. not to put too much pressure on themselves. Um, because if if you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, it's you, you're probably going to go one way, and that's backwards. Because uh, you, mm-hmm. you can't you can't focus properly or anything like that, and you can't see your goals, or or you're creating almost like um, impossible tasks to reach. It's like break things down, um, and mm-hmm. you just have to sit down with them and and chat with them and let them know that you know not everything's going to go perfect for for them. Um, so just do what you can 
a big quote that I'm a fan of is like, do what you can with what you have where you are. And um, yeah. just letting them know that you're going to have your good and your bad, bad days. But as long as you have, you know, you can try and average out more good, then you're probably going to, it's more like a two steps forward, one steps back type of approach. And um, yeah, that sort of gets, for me, that's um, sort of gets guys going in the right direction. Yeah. Then do you, Chris, do you think um, as a strength conditioning coach, then your job kind of has to be play a little bit of the mental coach side as well? Oh, 100%. I think whether you're a gen pop, a rehab patient or a high-level athlete, I think um, the role of the coach in the gym is creating that rapport and then making sure that your your athlete or your client is mentally there as well. Um, and I noticed that straight away with you. And I think that's the difference between someone who is a relatively good athlete and then someone that's going to get to your level. Um, it's definitely got to do with uh, their mentality and their attitude. Um, I, I don't think you came into one session miserable or feeling flat. And if you did, you switched it on. It's because I wasn't drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that actually. Um, <laughs> bit of a uh, caffeine addict you are, but um, <laughs> as we all are in Melbourne. But yeah, like yeah. I think once you got warmed up and realized or remembered why you're there and what you want to achieve, you were able to switch it on straight away. Um, and you'd probably be a bit quieter in between sets and between exercises on those flat days, but you knew when it's time to work, we work. Um, so yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And it's not, I suppose, our job to necessarily make you switch on. It's our job mm -hmm. to help you get there if you're, if you are struggling on that day. But I think that's where we both bounce off each other because I've had days where I don't want to be in the gym coaching. Like I just want to be laying in bed and resting and whatnot. Uh, but then you remember why you're there. You have someone like you walk in and it makes the job fun. It makes the job exciting. And you realize you're there for a purpose and you need to work together to create the outcome. So, And when, when COVID hit, there was another challenge there because, I mean, you have access to gyms and stuff. Um, and, I mean, you guys are going through it now. Mm. And I think you guys moved more to online coaching. Mm. Um I think Jimmy, you were saying you do what you can with what you have. So, like in in that instance, how do you still keep guys motivated and get them to do workouts? Yeah, it's 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 tough. Um, it's tough to keep them motivated, that's for sure. But um, you know, I'm still sending out uh, online programming for everyone that wants it. Um, you know, um, most of the time it's body weight programming, and you just gotta you gotta make things. Uh, like like fun for them you know what i mean you can't just have them doing the same old routine so you know just changing your 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 program to maybe even add something as simple as like a small little game or or a little task that um you think is challenging challenging for them but they're gonna be excited that they've achieved that that goal or that task just adding those small things into the program makes a massive change and gets them motivated and just adding in in different things that they've never done before you know it doesn't doesn't have to be anything too fancy, but if they've never really experienced it before and you've given them a little challenge or a little task uh, for them to complete, once they finally achieve it, it sort of gets gets the wheel turning, you know, and then they're, they're excited to, to keep going. But um, inevitably they are going to find flat spots. So, um, you know, just trying to just 
doing what you can to keep them motivated just by you know that's just one technique you can do sometimes they just need a talking to you know sometimes just me i'll I'll message my guys um and just ask them like how they're how they're going because i know most a lot of a lot of people are actually flat at the moment so just checking on them and checking in on, on their mental health um not not everything is about working out so just seeing how they're going, that that can get them motivated too, because then it shows that you know you you are you care you, you care about them. Um, you you know you're not just their coach. You, like I'm like I said before, for me, co- coaching is more more about friendship as well. Um, it's it's not just you know I'm just doing my job just because it's my job. I I generally care about everyone that comes in, so I make sure that I message them, see how they're going, um, and a lot of the time the response is good because. They're like, oh, you know, I've been feeling flat, and then you just give them, you know, whatever pep talk you can. Um, just, just, you know, try to trying to be a good friend, and then next time you message them, you know, I had one guy. He's like, yeah, I'm a lot more optimistic after what you've told me, and he has a better view now. So some people just need a little, a little talking to like that, while others, others might just need, uh, just a program to keep them going. You know what I mean? It's different for everybody. Yeah, because there's so much benefit to having you guys there. I think I remember, I remember heading heading to Perth, and you know you're excited. You know you, I'm motivated. You're excited to do the workout, and then you get there, you're like, oh man, you know it's just different. I don't know why. Like sometimes I come when I came to the gym with you guys, and I'm feeling a bit flat. But as soon as we kind of get warming up, it's like, all right, let's go. We're ready. But in Perth, man, I get there sometimes and. And then sometimes I just work out. I just yeah. walk back out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to understand that that happens as well. Not every workout is going to be great. Um, yeah. You're not going to be hitting PBs every workout. And sometimes you just need a break. So yeah. not feeling deflated at the fact that, you know what, today's not my day. I'm going to just walk out, have a rest, come back tomorrow and try again. Um, there's, there's benefits in that too um, because sometimes you can push yourself through a workout and you're just going to feel worse for it. And I think with everything going on with COVID and everything right now, um, one of the things I think I found is important is making sure you communicate that you're shifting the focus because not everyone has access to a gym. No one, not everyone has uh, equipment at home to do squats and deads and bench press and whatnot. So shifting the focus from like, okay, we're not going to be doing the big lifts now because we can't. Um, so we're going to work on these little things. So it might be a niggling injury that you've had where you could do some body weight exercises and change your biomechanics a little bit and fix that. So making sure that there's a clear communication between, between coach and athlete as well to make sure that they're like not focusing on the fact, not focusing what they can't do and refocusing to what they can do and what they can achieve with what they've got, as Jimmy said before. So yeah um i don't know if you guys watched the drum last week um and we were discussing i think this idea of excellence but we didn't go into like i think another idea was excellence can get lonely at times um yeah like i think it is kind of lonely sometimes you know like right now when i'm in europe away from my family and stuff like that then then how far would you would you have to go to to achieve that type of excellence and and how do you even get there? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting, man. Like it's actually pretty true, you know. Um, you you hear all the time the path to success is a lonely one, um, 
And I guess just having that self-belief that you can make it and just trying to stay in touch with, with you know, as you said, you're, you yourself, you're traveling, um, and it makes it tough. So um, just trying to, trying to get some support from your network, whoever that may be. Um, and just, yeah, just really have that, just try and find some self-belief and have confidence in what you're doing because, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the time, People, people will ask like, "Why are you doing that?" and "Well, what are you doing?" People don't understand. But they right? don't get it. It's just something I call it. I, I have this conversation quite a bit actually, and I call it the championship mindset. I've touched on it a little bit sometimes on yeah. Instagram. Like I, I speak about it, and it's just things that people don't understand. And you're doing things that most people wouldn't to get to a um, to a destination that most people can't, um, and a lot of that comes from that mindset of um doing yeah doing things that people won't so if you're doing it's, things it's that a, people won't obviously it's going obviously you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna be a lonely slow, road yeah. they, they don't <laughs> um it's the yeah, same with like, business like I'm, I'm big on business and um you know I'm, I'm trying to do my own thing at the moment some people look at me like well why, why are you doing that or why, why you work so much and all that they, they don't understand and that's fine. Do you feel the need uh, to justify to them? No, like uh, uh, initially I did. Like when I was a little bit younger, I did. But now I just I, I get it. You know, like I, I, you see some results, and you just you just have to find that um, will within yourself, and just remember your why and why you're doing it. Uh, like sort of what we touched on earlier. Just remember why you're doing it, and that can sort of keep that wheel turning and keep you going and and keep you motivated. And it's all right to feel flat every now and then. Um, but when when you're when you're really down, just remember why you're doing it, and hopefully it, it starts to get that wheel turning. It's that cliche saying as well, I think, and it, as cliche as it is, it's true. It's if if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that doesn't just come down to your physical attributes. Like Pete, you're built for running, so it gives you a bit of an advantage. But you don't become number one in Australia and number four in the world by just being talented. Um, You've obviously put in the work. You've made the sacrifices necessary to get there and beyond. Um, and I think that's true in sport, in business, and just life in general. I mean, there's a reason yeah. only three three people in the world that uh, businessmen have gone to space. Not everyone's going to be a Jeff Bezos because not everyone wants to make those sacrifices and put in that work. So, mm. um, yeah. Okay. And then there's this there's this idea of like we always chase the one percent, one percent, one percent, um, as athlete. But do you think sometimes it's it's probably just you just need to do things more efficient, the things you're already doing, rather than before chasing those one percent? Like like for us, I don't think we need to go chase one percent. We just need to find a gym that yeah. we could work at properly. Because I mean we still have that gym we need to get good at before going chasing another one percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, well, what's the saying? Like you, you're stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're not doing the major things, if we're talking training, if you're not um, doing the big things like sleeping well is massive. That's huge for most people. Most people aren't sleeping well, so if you're not doing that, um, you're not e- eating, you know, pretty pretty well, and you're not you're not training consistently or properly then there's no point trying to do all this fancy stuff 
Um, it's usually when it comes to recovery and all that sort of stuff um, or wearing fancy shoes or things like that. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no point doing that. Fresh like, like kicks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no point doing, doing those or, or chasing those 1%, especially if you're um, – if you if you're not hitting the the big things first, you know, yeah, yeah, consistency is the biggest one, I think. Um, yeah, if if you're not hitting the big things consistently and putting in that work, then the one percenters won't mean anything. No. Um, so yeah. And um, our strength program, how does it work? I think we were doing uh, about five to six weeks, and then we taper. Um, it was four. You guys. From the, memory, four, four to five. Yeah. How did you guys yeah. develop? Like, why four to five? It's, it's, it's based I mean, it worked. Around, I just never yeah, asked yeah. question around it. It was no, working. It's, it's, it's based around your comps. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think we, we worked just, backwards from his yeah. first comp, right? So <laughs> yeah, we looked at the part of the comps. When Pete, Pete and Joe, they hit us with the old, "Hey man, we're racing in two weeks." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That, that was that was a big challenge because sometimes we just came out of nowhere and like we're racing in two weeks and then i mean we don't know your program is in advance or something and you have to go back and change it yeah so that was that was another i think that was another big challenge but we never knew when we we're really competing yeah it was just like we're just competing there and then how much yeah, do you guys have to take for us that, that, yeah and that, i think that was yeah. the biggest thing we um we saw <laughs> your schedule for your main races and we worked backwards with the dates and the the waves of the program um all the blocks and um so we knew okay so from 12 weeks from now is when he's got his first major comp so we worked in four week blocks because we thought maybe six was too too intense um these guys have done the gym before but they've never trained the way we're going to train them before so we want to we we had a idea of wanting to make sure we had a mutual understanding of what we expected of you um, technically wise um, and strength wise. And we thought the four week blocks would work well with that, I suppose. Um, but then, like you said, it kind of gave us room to adjust things if we needed to as well, because all of a sudden in two weeks, we've got a race. So we knew we could immediately taper you guys um, to make sure you guys were ready for that. Yeah. Justin believes that speed should be done all year round. So our program kind of stays the same on track. Like what is speed all year round? Um, how important is it to do strength all year round as well? Like, is there a time where you just, you know, the off season where you don't pick weights or is that the time where you actually pick the heaviest weights? Oh, I've always said, I think, um, weight training should be done all year round. Uh, just a matter of how you program it. So anytime I hear a footballer come to me and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing legs during the season, my question <laughs> is why? Yeah. And then you wonder yeah. why all these guys, especially at like a semi-pro and a local level, um, why are they coming with uh, ACL injuries, hamstring injuries, calf injuries? Because they're doing all this running, but they haven't built up that conditioning in the gym to make sure they've maintained that strength. And yeah. for me, strength is the biggest thing in reducing the risk of injury. Um, and also maintaining that, as you alluded to, that pop off the blocks or that spring in your step. If you're not doing that work in the gym, you're not going to maintain that on the track or on the field. So, yeah, if you if you're smart about it, um, like for me, it all it all depends. Um, you know, if if you should take some time off or not. 
Um, I, I actually, believe it or not, I, I, I force guys sometimes to take time off. And like, like I said, it, it depends. Um, it, it depends on the individual and and their training background and, and their experience and things like that. Um, but when, when I would force guys off, uh, it's when they're doing too much, you know. And as I mentioned like 10 times already, I train a lot of basketball players. And basketball players um, and lots of athletes in general, they're just like, the more work I do, the, the better I'm going to get when really they just need to relax a little bit. Um, so when guys uh, come to me, if they're a bit more experienced and, and they come in and they haven't taken any time off weights at all, uh, like none, or haven't had a deload at all, they haven't been trained, let's say, by Chris and I and haven't, haven't had um, a, a relatively good structure to their, to their program, I'll tell them to take a couple of weeks or even like a month off uh, weights. But that's that's the extreme. Like it's pretty rare that I'll have to do that. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, as Chris mentioned, uh, most of the year, it, you know, off-season they might have a couple of weeks off, but then um, – Try, try to build that strength back up. It just uh, it comes down to smart programming, I think. Yeah, You're not expecting yeah. to hit PBs every week um, no. and you shouldn't be as someone whose sport isn't solely focused on the gym as a powerlifter mm-hmm. or an Olympic weightlifter. Um, we've got to remember that what we do for you in the gym is supplementary to your running training. So we're there to assist that and make mm-hmm. that better. We're not your sole focus to get better in the gym. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're speaking of PBs, <laughs> speaking of PBs, let's let's talk about PBs. What, what did we come in at? I can't even remember. Um, especially squats. I felt like we just got so much. We got strong very quickly. But our program was like, like yeah, the numbers. Still have the numbers there somewhere on the <laughs> on the Excel spreadsheet. Um, but you guys came a, in pretty. Uh, I'm going to say We've like inexperienced. Below. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, being so explosive as well, like you guys are very explosive. It's not like you're a, a weak by any means, you know, you're high level athletes. You're going to be strong. Um, we, we, it probably helps that Justin, uh, as you just said, Justin does high uh, speed work throughout most of the year. Uh, Cause when you're sprinting and stuff, that's going to help a lot. Um, with strength maintenance or if you're inexperienced, just getting you strong in the first place. Um, so you came in at like a reasonable base, but um, definitely <laughs> like from what we thought you might have been at, you, you had some improvement to be made. But <laughs> you made, like, I, I, don't, I don't know the numbers now. I don't know the numbers. But I think our dead about started at about 80 kilos. Your trap bar. <laughs> You're born, yeah, the tra- yeah, that's the trap bar. Yeah, <laughs> I still you still got that photo. You guys are like shirtless with the shirts off Fridays, the cat bars. Shirts off like, Fridays. It's like when you hit, it's like when you hit the um, you hit the hundred for the for the first time or something like that. But now you guys would blow that out of the park, man. Um, <laughs> you guys have developed a lot, um, and that's not just through one or two sessions. That's credit to you guys coming in consistently and um, and putting in the work. You know, doesn't happen overnight. And what what do you think we have to look forward to, you know? I mean, now that, you know, it's been like almost two years now. So, like, what's expectations going forward? 
I think um, getting you back in Australia and back in the gym is the first, <laughs> yeah. the first goal. Um, yes, seeing you will, will be nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited just to get a good. <laughs> I'm excited just to get a good training block where making sure you're ready for a race in a couple of weeks isn't on our minds. Um, making sure that you guys can get a good couple of months in of just hitting the gym hard not worrying about the fact that you're a little bit tired going doing your running stuff because mm-hmm. Jimmy and I know that once we start to taper you down and get you ready for a race, you're just going to go through the roof with your speed. Um, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel fitter. You're going to feel springier. Um, so I think that's what I'm looking forward to. And I don't see why you can't break into the 143s by this time next year. Yeah. Yeah. That From, from watching your race, um, your race is over in – Tokyo looks like you can definitely definitely get there um so that's probably a big goal for for us um and yeah again just making sure that you guys are healthy um and as Chris mentioned prepared for for any race that that's coming up um and yeah hopefully we can limit the amount of injuries that you guys have and um yeah hopefully it's a uh, relatively smooth sailing from here that would be awesome but we all know that there's a I think what I'm excited to... about yeah I think what I'm excited <laughs> about too is just getting you and you and Joseph together in the room again uh, because <laughs> yeah. we, we've spent the last couple of months just just training yourself so um, yeah. I enjoyed seeing the the friendly competition you two had together the banter uh, whether it be doing our, our dead ball tosses for healing yeah. yeah. or um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm bringing I'm bringing a PlayStation Five. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Just so you can kick my ass at FIFA again. I know. I think I I beat Chris like six. Yeah, let's talk zero? about that. Look, oh, oh no, I'll, I'll take the score. I'll, I'll take the score. I was there. I was there for all three games. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the first one was five nil. The second one was seven nil. And the, the third one, I think, was like nine nil, man. No, no, no. Uh, no I called me. Yes. I like. I like. No, 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 he's no, got. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't right. have my PBs down, but he's got all the stats down I for that game. I forgot. That's... Yeah, I've got the FIFA stats. Chris kicked two goals like over those three games, but um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. There was one you game. Don't, you don't want to play Joseph. Joseph is even worse. <laughs> that's that's yeah, one guy you don't want to play. No worse is in better. Yeah. Is in better, yeah. That's why. That's why. I like, that's why. I, I think he said like, "Oh, you want to play FIFA?" I just handed the controller over to Chris. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, Chris will play." I was, I was sweating hard. I was so nervous. I wouldn't even know what what the pass button is. Yeah, I suppose. A question from myself as well, uh, Pete. I just wanted to touch on your experience before you came to Empower with the gym. What what you were doing beforehand? Um, what changed when you came to see us in terms of your program and? exercise prescription and whatnot and what changed in your mentality to make you so consistent with it as well i think the main thing is i got away with so much talent that i didn't feel not that i didn't feel the need to do a lot of things but there was a lot of inconsistencies in the gym um i'd get injured and and act like i don't know why but you know i knew why i was i had like a stress fracture i probably knew why i got a stress fracture you know, just didn't have that strength. You know, we look strong, but sometimes you do have to pick up those weights. And the main thing is, is um, 
I like doing things I enjoy. So not that I didn't enjoy gym, but it was just a different culture coming with you guys. It was everything. Like it was just focus. It was, it was fun. It was, you guys were hungry. You guys just like, I think I came in one day and I'm, I think it was you, Jimmy, you were, you were reading something on like athletics and I'm like, man, I don't even read that stuff, you know? And <laughs> yeah. What's that, what's like, yeah. A textbook, man. I'm big on yeah. Something like that. <laughs> or an article or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And then Chris, you would just say, you know, do things with intent. Like I try to live something's like, okay, do it again. You know? Um, because intent was the main thing. It just made it fun. Yeah. It made the gym go so fast that you didn't even realize, you know, sometimes you're looking forward to go to the gym rather yeah. than before. It's like, oh, man, not gym. You know, when you yeah. have that thought, you miss it every now and then and it adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. I reckon there was there was days where you and Joseph were at the gym for a good two and a half hours. We probably <laughs> yeah. went for an hour and a half, but just the banter that went on afterwards and the talking and the mingling, I think that showed a lot too. How much you guys I think that was so important. That relationship yeah. was like you were saying, Jimmy. I think that was so important. It's overlooked. Yeah. You know, you gotta you've gotta have a great relationship with your coaches and, and you gotta enjoy being there. So we really enjoyed being there, I think. It was cool. Yeah, you can't yeah, you can't make the gym like a an army, like a yeah, you know, you can't Group be camp. a drill sergeant to to your to your athletes, yeah, you know. Maybe some, maybe some some need that. But from my experience, what are the what are guys just um, are looking to enjoy it as well. They don't want to, you know, be drilled or oh, just do this, do that, you know. And then I'm not going to talk to you because <laughs> I know how, I know how stupid that sounds. But some coaches actually like that. So um, yeah, like you were saying, if if you can make the environment fun, um, enjoyable, and have good banter yeah. and things like that, then they're going to want to come in. One yeah. thing that stood out to me with you guys too when you guys came in was just your ability as the athlete to not just get caught up in the laughs and the jokes that we would have in the warm up or in between sets. Like as soon as Jimmy or I would say, okay, next set, like it was like you had multiple personalities. Like we'd go yeah. from, we'd go from dancing to the tunes in the, in the background <laughs> and um, trying to throw tennis balls through the rings and yeah, spinning Swiss balls on your finger and doing silly stuff like that and having a laugh to, all right, next set, switch it on. And, pull 140 on a trap bar and make it move quick. You know what I mean? Like there was never any, any sluggy, sluggy yeah. sort of sessions. Um, but every session was fun as well. Yeah. You never forgot why you were there, you know, as, as fun as it was, we knew why you guys were coming in. You guys knew why you were coming in. Um, so that was always the main focus. Um, mm-hmm. and it's good that you guys, it just shows, um, like a take, most high level athletes can do that. They can flick the switch and just turn it on, um, and that that's probably as we were talking about before. That's that's probably a big difference difference maker between um, someone who's probably high level and someone that m- might be on the edge or or might not be able to make it. And as you mentioned, Pete, a lot of people try to rely on talent. Um, you guys understand that it takes a lot more than that. You know, you've got to put in the work as well because talent will only get you so far. Um, but then talent will probably get – you might be one of the best in the world uh, just on talent or you might be up there on talent. But, um, you know, if you're – if everyone, if those other guys as well that are at the same level as you are putting into work, then you're just going to fall way behind. Um, so it's good that you guys have that attitude, you know, to, to want to put in the work as well. Um, 
and not not just come in for fun and games. You could just flick of, of a switch, bang, and um, you know, go into yeah. athlete. I remember mode. how how pumped you guys you guys would get when we started competing. It was like when Joe and I were finishing one two and we we're running like one forty fives, and oh. you guys were just you guys were just so pumped. Uh, and then I guess my next question was um, the experience of the Olympics. How was it watching it? Obviously, it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty. It was. It was because you guys played a big part in, in that journey. It's emotional, man. It's emotional. Um, when you see any of your athletes uh, performing and performing well, you, you get emotional. You, you know, you just like you're like, wow, I, I'm so happy for them and um, seeing what the, what they're achieving right now. I don't think about any of it. Like, oh, you know. I help do this. I help do that. You just sort of in the moment, and you're just like, yeah. "Whoa, they're performing so well!" Um, <laughs> like Chris and I were on the phone after uh, your oh, two finals. We had each other on speed dial. Man, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like running around the house after your semi final. I was like running around the house like crazy. Sean's like, what, "What's going on?" <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just it's it, it was wild, man. Because you know we. We're working on it for for so long. It seems like we had so many setbacks and um, like with, like with COVID and all that stuff. And um, yeah, just to see see it happen. Um, yeah, it was just yeah, it was pretty emotional, man. I was just so happy for for you and watching you do your thing. And yeah, it was unbelievable to watch. I think yeah, I was, uh, whether we meant to be like that or not. I think Jimmy and I both got super invested in your guys' success um, to the point where it's like you achieving what you did almost made us feel like we achieved something too, especially being two guys that haven't had athletes at your level. Um, it was reassuring to be like after after everything had settled, we looked at it and we're like, we, we helped with that. And I think that was just mm-hmm. – something we became very proud of. Um, mm. I mean, my phone blew up after your semifinal as if I was the one running, uh, <laughs> congratulating me. I'm like, I, I did nothing compared to what this guy's done. Like I, I helped him, but he had to do the work. He had to be there. He had to show up every day and he had to run the race. Um, yeah. But it just goes to show how many people get invested in it too, um, where I'm, I'm copying congratulations left, right, and center for your for your successes. So yeah, so you should be. So um, you guys should be though. So it's humbling and exciting. And I think the biggest thing for me, I saw um, your family back in Perth, uh, all <laughs> all crammed into that house, uh, getting super excited, and the replay of them watching your race. Uh, I think that was the the moment for me that I got quite emotional. I was like. I, I just couldn't believe it. I was in awe. It was amazing to watch. So, yeah, wow, what a journey! I got yeah. so well, emotional. I got so emotional that's that basically I blocked, all I needed to talk to you guys about. On Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Jimmy blocked me on Instagram, <laughs> and then he had the nerve to say you're not following me because once you block someone, once you block someone, uh, you automatically unfollow each other. He blocked me on Instagram. <laughs> nah, but I, blocked him by, I blocked him by accident. It was, it was, <laughs> as if I'd block him on purpose. Nah, I was typing a message. <laughs> I was typing a message saying, um, it was about your semi final. I think I was typing good luck. 
actually boot for your final. Yeah. Um, just do your thing. And I wanted to get in early because I knew that your phone would be blowing up. Yeah. And um, yeah, then someone at the gym comes in and was talking to me about you. And I'm just like, oh, I put my phone in my pocket and I blocked him. <laughs> I was like, what? Because <laughs> I, I went to find you and it's like, oh, you have to unblock this person to message him. I'm like, are you serious? Oh. <laughs> like, now he's not even going to see the message that I'm going to send. <laughs> but just you saw that, it. How, how are you handling the uh, all the success? Because I remember Jimmy and I did a little bit of stalking of uh, you and Joseph before you started. And yeah. one of the things was like, oh, Pete's, Pete's got about 6,000 followers. That, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. And then we looked at Joseph's and Joseph was at, was at about uh, 20,000. And then yep. just out of interest after your final, I looked at your Instagram profile and you were pushing 50,000 followers. <laughs> so how are you handling that fame? Um, pretty good. Mm. I'm not one to get too overhyped yeah. about it, you know. It's, yeah, I would have guessed that. It's just, it's just numbers, so, so it's cool. But I do embrace all the support that comes with it. Uh, the hard thing was um, replying to messages because, mm. you know, especially through the rounds, it was pretty hard because through the rounds you try to reply and then a bunch come come ahead, especially the request ones. That was really hard. And, you know, messages come through left, right and center, you know, yeah. emails or or your phone or everything. And I just said, you know what? I have a 12-hour flight back to Europe. I'll reply to as many as I can on that flight and yeah. just purchase Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But other than that, it's pretty humbling actually. Yeah. I don't uh, think I could scroll through Facebook for a, an hour without seeing your face pop up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was on yeah. Sportsbet. Oh, Sportsbet. <laughs> sports Every yeah, news article. <laughs> Spag bowl, that's what it was. Hopefully, hopefully comes with free coffee, so it's in my chat once, <laughs> once I get back to Melbourne. Uh, oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Large cappuccino for me. Thanks, mate. Large cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a few of those. So, yeah. So, thank you guys for being part of the journey, and um, I look forward to continue working with you. I think I'm pretty excited already for what's to come. Yeah, I'm, be I'm nice. pumped for you to get yeah, back. Man, so pumped, it'll like, be good. Just talking about it, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we got uh, we got big goals coming ahead. Yeah, yeah, massive. Yeah, I think it would be so fun. I just I just can't wait. Um, which where are you where are you now, Jimmy? Like, obviously, um, it's locked down, but yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I'm actually in the works of something that's like secret. I can't really say what it is at the moment, but um, yeah, classified. Yeah, it's it's classified. You know, you got to get a security yeah. clearance for that one. But um, nah, nah. I'm just sort of looking for a location for what I'm doing. So at the moment, I'm still um, running my stuff out of Empower. Um, yeah. And yeah, well, when I can. Um, so when, when we go back and open up, I'll just still be out of Empower uh, for the time being until I sort of get my own little thing up and running. And then, um, yeah, wherever that may be, um, I'll be there. It will still be sort of a similar area. Yeah. And Chris? Yeah, yeah. Um... Just as COVID hit, I actually made the decision to leave Empower um, and open up a little powerlifting gym with a good friend of mine, Matthew Prosak. Um, so he's, I'd say he's one of the best Australian uh, powerlifting coaches going around. Um, so he, strong. He coached me for a little bit when I decided to take up the sport um, and became a good friend of mine. And then we decided to open up a little powerlifting um, facility in Airport West. Um, Probably not the best time to do it with everything going on, but we've made it work for now. Um, and actually, surprised we've come as far as we have with everything going on, uh, with gyms being locked down and whatnot. So, um, yeah, just a little powerlifting gym out of Airport West. Um, and 
similar to Jimmy, I think we'll eventually start looking at expanding that um, into something a little bit more versatile to cater for the likes of athletes like yourself. So not just powerlifters, but runners, basketballers as well, um, just to make sure that there's a facility that caters to everyone as well as powerlifters. So, yeah. Perfecto. That's perfect. Can't wait. Can't wait to get back, guys. Um, yeah, I'll let you guys go. Thanks for your time. And I'll see you on the flip side, huh? Thank you, man. Thanks for having Can't us, wait. man. Yeah, man. Can't wait. No, it's actually been, it's been so nice catching up. It's been dope. Yeah, it's been I think it's the first <laughs> conversation we've had without uh, Instagram messaging. So Without Instagram good. messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's nice. video too, so I can see you guys. Yeah. Jimmy looked like he got bigger. Nah, nah. Still yeah. pumping weights. Nah, nah. I'm still the same weight, still the same weight. 103 kilos for anyone that wants to know. Yeah, but I'll let you guys know when I'm when I'm back in town and in quarantine probably need some workouts and when I get back. Yeah, hit us up, man. Always happy to help. Yeah. Thank you. Great, man. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.